For this, we offer him praise and worship. I want to uh, welcome our guest this morning. Guest, we thank you for attending and taking your time out to be with us this morning. We hope that you were able to feel the love as you walk through the doors of the church this morning, as I felt the first time I walked through here. This church is about love and spreading the love. So when you leave out the doors this morning, make sure that you come back because you need to get some more love rubbed on the other side of you. If you don't mind, before you do leave, though, if we could ask you in your program, there's a tear-out in there. If you don't mind filling that out, dropping it in the offering plate to the deacons in the back, that way we may show our appreciation to you and be able to come and, uh, and invite you back to, a, to a worship with us uh, that you may fellowship with us once again. Amen. So, members, before we leave, make sure you find that guest and hug them real good so they have to come back next week. All right, let's go to the, to the Lord.
as we enter into our hour of worship, let's clear our minds and open our hearts that we may give the Lord a portion of worship that he deserves, that he has given us so much more, and we can never repay him for what he's done. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning with grateful hearts, O Lord, thanking you, Jesus, for allowing us to rise up this morning in the land of the living. O Father God, you blessed us with health and strength this morning, Father. You allowed us to get into our vehicles and congregate ourselves together, O Lord, that we may worship your name. Father, we thank you for guiding us throughout the week, for your mercy and your grace protected us during the week, O Lord, and so many hurt things and harmful things could have been thrown in our direction, but you built a fence around us and protected us and guided us, O oh Lord, and for this we say thank you. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us the clothes on our backs, the shoes on our feet, Father. Things, O oh Lord, sometimes we take for granted. Things that we should be honoring you for on a daily basis. Oh, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would go down our prayer list this morning, Lord, there are those who were able to make it with us and those who were not this morning. Father, we ask that you would, not, as you go down that list, that you would touch the hearts of those, Father, who are sick, those who are in hospitals, nursing homes, those, Father God, who were, were crying out for you all night long. Lord, we ask that you touch the family members of those, of those who are sick. Those, O oh Lord, who have been up all night, those, Father God, who have been by their side for weeks at a time, strengthen their bodies physically, Strengthen their hearts and strengthen their minds, O oh Lord. And Father God, there are those who have lost loved ones throughout the week. We pray, Lord, that you would touch them, touch their family members also, Lord. Oh, Father, we know that there is a time for each of us to go. And during that time, Lord, we ask that you strengthen us. For you said you would not put any more on us than what we could bear. Oh, Father God, we ask that you would touch those, O oh Lord, who are in homeless shelters, those who slept on street corners, those, O oh Lord, who are lost in the world, confused, not knowing which way to turn. May you empower your believers and your followers, Lord, that they, we may reach out to those, that we may say something, do something that would touch the lives of those who are confused. And, O oh Father, we ask that you would bless our military, bless their families, bless those, O oh Lord, who want to be leaders of our nation. Father, we need you more than we could have ever needed you before. We need you to endow your will upon those who claim to be leaders, that they may follow your word instead of their own intuition. We are grateful to you, Lord. We love you and we trust you. In thy holy name we pray. Amen. Let me introduce you all to introduce myself to you all who may not recognize me. I'm the modern day Annie Armstrong. See, I bet a lot of you thought I was Freddie Pendergraft, but this morning I'm talking to you as Annie Armstrong. And I tell you that I really could have used this device in the 1890s when I wrote over 18,000 letters by hand to rally people to give more, pray more, and do more for reaching Christians reaching people for Christ. 
It was in 1895 that I, the Lord or God led me to ask the WMU to donate $5,000 to the Home Mission Board in order to alleviate their debt of $25,000 and to try to keep having, from having to take missionaries off the missions field. I was honored and humbled in 1934 when the Easter offering was named for me. Today, the Home Mission Board is the North American Mission Board. And the call in 2016 is the same as in 1895, as we give more, pray more, and do more to reach people for Christ by supporting the over 5,000 missionaries in the United States and Canada with our Annie Armstrong Easter offering. As, as this Easter season, we think about what Jesus gave for us and what Jesus has done for us, let us prayerfully consider what we will give and what we can do. It is hard to believe that next Sunday is Palm Sunday. But it is, and God has provided some spring weather for us, so it begins to feel more like uh, Easter. But, you know, as we consider uh, all of the, the love that our Lord gave during that time, during Holy Week, uh, it is such a beautiful story, and I would like for you to come next Sunday night and be a part of that story, that Holy Week experience, beginning with the Last Supper portrayed by our 12 disciples, uh, going all the way through um, Easter and even beyond that. So the, the music is beautiful. You'll hear our handbells, and you'll also be drawn to the cross and to the empty tomb. So please join us next Sunday evening at 7 o'clock as we come together to uh, remember and celebrate this wonderful time of the year. As we sing together this morning and we join our voices in worship, I would ask you to turn to hymn number 426, and let's sing with our hearts this morning, There is Victory in Jesus.
keep your hymnal in hand and turn to page number 617. And we will read the words there responsibly. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was an hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when shall we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in deed and in truth. Would you please turn in your hymnal to hymn number 407. It is because Jesus died for us, went to the cross, but then he rose from the grave. And because Jesus lives, we too can live with him for eternity. Would you stand as we sing together, Because He Lives.
Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just praise you and glorify your name today, along with all the members here today present, that we can come together in this place to worship, to worship you, to learn more about you, to hear the message that you are going to send through John today. Thank you, Lord, that everything we have belongs to you. You have given us so much. I'm thankful that we can pray and unite with those in our congregation, in our community, and around the world to lift up one another to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, with humble hearts and thanksgiving, please accept our offerings at this time to bring more people to know the good name good news of Jesus Christ in Jesus name we pray amen
Shall we pray? Eternal God, you have heard our prayers on this day. We have given thanks for your presence with us. We have given thanks for the gifts that have been received. And we call upon you now, Father, to hear our prayers on behalf of those who have needs. Bring to them peace and wholeness. Bring to all of us peace and wholeness as we seek to serve you. Allow us, Father, to examine who we are in our relationship to you so that we might be the disciples that we are called to be. Bless John as he opens the word. Give him freedom of thought. Allow your spirit to minister through him. Bless us as we have gathered. In the name of Jesus, amen. Not that she needs any help, but she asked me to help her this morning. <clears throat> but the song she picked out is one called Sowing Love. And it's a beautiful song. It's got a double meaning. It talks about a mother and a father. The father's out in the field sowing seeds. The mother's in the house, the house of the home sowing with a needle and thread. But together, to their family, they're sowing love. I used to love to sit behind my daddy As he plowed the garden in the spring Our little bare feet in the dirt would make us happy As we talked about what harvest time would bring He'd say, son, this whole world is like a garden and what you sow, you're surely going to reap. Where bitter seeds are planted, hearts are hardened. But a caring hand will make the harvest sweet. And he, he was, was sowing love for the family. family. He, he was, was sowing love. He took a little extra time looking forward to a bountiful harvest. Like a good father does, he was so in love. How I used to love and sit beside my mama, working with her needle and her thread. So patiently she listened to our problems And we knew she heard every word we said 
She'd say, children, this old world is full of scratches. And in your life, you're bound to have a few. I guess that's why the good Lord gave us patches. So we could start each day off feeling new. And she, she was, was so in love for the family. family. Yeah, she, she was, was so in love. She took a little extra time looking forward to a bountiful harvest. Like a good mama does, she was so in love. Yeah, they were so in love for the family. They were so in love. They took a little extra time looking forward to a bountiful harvest. They took good care of us. They were so in love. Yeah, they did it all for us. They were so in love. Can you hear me? We good? All right, now we're good, I think. I've had a horrible time with microphones today. I've been in college for four years, and I can't turn on a microphone. So I think we're, I think we're good now. But uh, it's good to be back home at Mechanicsville Baptist. It's good to be back with all of you. Uh, but before I get up there and I start preaching, I just um, want you to take a deep look into your heart. And, you know, if you look at the sermon title this morning, it says, Jesus Calls Disciples. And my question this morning to you is, are you one of his? I said this in the first service, and it was something that the Lord really worked on me uh, this summer. And throughout this year, I did an extensive study on the four Gospels and the book of Acts. And I kept studying it, and I, I came to this conclusion that not all people who confess to believe in Jesus, are saved, and will inherit the kingdom of God and inherit heaven. But all people who confess to believe in Jesus and who follow Jesus and who are disciples following Christ with their lives are saved, will get saved, and will inherit the kingdom of God and eternal life. And my question to you this morning is, are you simply someone who's just saying they believe, but they're not living it? Someone who says, yeah, I, I, I believe in Jesus. But yet you leave the church, you come in and you, you punch in your attendance ticket, you place your money in the offering plate, then you go home, and Monday through Saturday, you do not live for Christ at all, and you act like you don't know him. You someone who's just passing by believing? Are you someone who's actually a disciple and you're following? If you go through the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus called disciples. Nowhere did he call believers. He called people who would be disciples and who would follow Christ. 
My question this morning is, are you one of his? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for this day, and we're so thankful, Lord, that you have brought us to this place. And God, as I said in the first service, I'm just a mere man appointed to give a message, God, that you've placed on my heart this week and for quite some time. And Lord, my my prayer is that, God, you would just speak through me, that your spirit would anoint me. God, I cannot do it alone. You are the one that must convey the message. So it's my prayer that, Father, you would speak through me this morning and that, God, you would open up the hearts of each man, each woman, each child in this room, that, God, their hearts would be open to hear the gospel, to hear the truth, that, God, you would convict where you need to convict, that you will assure where you need to assure, that, Father, your spirit would move within the people that, may not know you, may not be following you, or may need to come back to you. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to me this morning and touch each heart here. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. If you look in your bulletin, we are in a couple of different places this morning. And that's because uh, I have a couple points that I believe the Lord has laid on my heart to raise. But I want you to keep in mind what I said just now, that not all people who confess to believe in Jesus will go to heaven, but all people who follow Jesus, who are disciples and who walk with him, believing in Jesus, have had a changed life by Jesus, will go to heaven and will inherit eternal life. You say, well, John, what about John 3, 16? And I get that, and I'm going to explain that. But I want you to... Again, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Jesus is preaching on the Mount of Olives. He's doing his sermon on the Mount, and he is concluding this great sermon that he's preaching. And the theme of the book of Matthew is the word kingdom. It's the word kingdom, and if you look in the Sermon on the Mount, it is all guidelines, ethical guidelines on how you live for the kingdom. Jesus makes his point in this text that it's more than just saying, I believe. It is, I believe, I surrender, and I follow. Jesus is speaking here to Jewish Christians. He's speaking to Jewish believers who who have come, and his disciples are gathered around him, the people that he invested in. Then the crowds come, and they hear, and Matthew, when he wrote this text, was writing it to the Jewish Christians in the community that did have the law but were also trying to follow Jesus. And he was echoing these words to them. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, we see the decision of two ways. There's a decision that one can make. It says in verse 13 of Matthew 7, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few that find it. Two decisions that you make in your life, whether you're going to follow the narrow road, following Jesus, or the broad road, and following yourself and following the world. We see the decision of two life actions in verses 15 through 20 when Jesus is talking about the, the tree that bears good fruit, the tree that bears 
bad fruit. It says in verse 20, so then you will know them by their fruits. And now we come to Matthew 7, 21 through 23. And I want you to follow along with me. If you have a pen and a piece of paper, take this out and write this down because I want you to take a good look into your heart. And ask yourself, am I truly following Jesus in my life right now? Would he know me? Would Jesus know you if he were to stand right in front of you today? Would he know you? Verse 21, let's follow along together. Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say and many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. These are very, very strong words from the Savior. And it was because Jesus is trying to echo a point to them and echoing a point to us today that it's more than just believing. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but everyone who does the will of the Father. David Platt, who wrote the book Radical, said this about today's gospel and what we're proclaiming. He says, we have been told all that is required is a one-time decision, maybe, maybe even mere intellectual assent to Jesus. But after that, we need not worry about his commands, his standards, or his glory. We have a ticket to heaven, and we can live however we want on earth. Our sin will be tolerated along the way. And I am afraid that so many people think that very thing. They believe that if they just say, I believe, fill out a decision card, come to church, place some money in the offering plate, they get their free ticket to heaven, their get-out-of-hell-free card, and they're good to go. Tell me one place in the Bible where Jesus said that that was it. It is it on the surface level, but it is so much deeper. And folks, if you can dive deep, it's beautiful to see what Jesus can do in your life. And I want us to walk through this this morning as we're walking through this together. Notice how in verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's saying and doing. These two verbs are customary. In other words, it's talking about habit. It's continually. So Jesus is saying, not everyone who continuously is saying to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who is continually doing the will of the Father will enter the kingdom of heaven. Based on the way you're living your life right now, are you living in the will of the Father? Or are you living in the will of yourself? Are you living a very self-centered, self-gratifying life where it's me, myself, and I, or are you living your life for Jesus and saying, Lord, here I am. Take my life. Use me. Are you continuously doing the will of the Father? You may say, well, what is the will of the Father? Linsky said this in his commentary. He said, the will of my Father, which points to Jesus' deity, is repentance and faith, righteousness of the remission of sins, and thus the power to do works that truly please God. Doing the will of the Father, being a disciple. The Bible says that many will come on that day, and on that day is the day of judgment. There will be a day of judgment. 
for all will have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul said that in 2 Corinthians 5.10. All will appear. It says here that there would be many who would say, Lord, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do miracles? Didn't we do all this great stuff for you? And Jesus looks at them and says, I never knew you. I never knew you. Wow. That's pretty harsh for a Sunday morning. I never knew you. What does he mean by I never knew you? He's saying that he had no relationship with them. He is saying that I have nothing to do with you. You are a complete stranger to me. You were not my people. You do, I do not know where you are from. There is no origin with these people that say this. And folks, remember, the, these people, he's not talking about completely lost people. He's talking about people that said they believed. They, they knew he was Lord. What was the problem? They weren't doing the will of the Father. They hadn't surrendered their life. They hadn't given their life to Christ. If you remember Matthew 25, verse 12, Jesus is telling the story of the ten virgins. So there were five virgins who came to the banquet table. They didn't have enough, they didn't have any oil for their lamps. And Jesus says to them, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Why? Because Jesus had no relationship with them. Do you have a relationship with God? Are you living for him in your life? Is he your first love? Jesus is giving here the, contract, the contrast between two people, two groups of people. First group is those who believe in who Jesus is and they live a half-devoted life to him while holding on to their own selfish desires and their own pride. And the other people are those who believe in the work of Christ on the cross, whereby they carry out God's will by obeying his commands. They have a relationship with him. They have surrendered their lives to him, and they are living their lives for Jesus Christ. They have given it all. Jesus then says, I never knew you. Depart from me. We see that in Psalm 6, 8. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. You practice. You people who work in lawlessness. Now, what does it mean to practice lawlessness? They are just habitually sinning, and they're continuously living for self. They're continuously living in the gratification of self. Matthew 23, 28 says, So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. He's talking to the Pharisees there. He says on the outside, you look great. But on the inside, Jesus would say they're like dead man's bones. They're like dead man's bones. They think they know Jesus, but they're lost. Why? Because they haven't given their lives to Christ. They don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They are more concerned about things in the world than the things of Jesus Christ. Matthew 6, verse 20 through 21 says this. Jesus says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where's your treasure? Is your treasure in Jesus and in heaven, or is it in yourself? What are those things in your life you're holding on to that you're keeping from Jesus? What are those things? 
a disciple, someone who follows Christ, they relinquish and they get rid of that stuff. They give their all to Jesus. And he wants all of us. He wants all of us. That word disciple in the Greek actually means a student or a pupil or someone who follows after a master. They submit to the master. A disciple literally comes right behind their master and they follow him devotedly. Are you following Jesus devotedly with your life? Are you following him and giving him your all in all? Are you saying, Jesus, take my life. I love you. You're my greatest desire, and I want you. You know, I talked about that John 3.16 thing. I want to talk about this word believe for a minute before we turn to the next text. You know, that word believe in the Greek, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That word believe, we just think that just means, oh, I believe and I'm good. It's so surface level, but folks, when you dig down deep, that word believe actually means to entrust, to have confidence, to obey, to be faithful to a person or a place or a cause. You are literally rolling yourself over to that person, to that place, to that cause. Oswald Chambers, who wrote uh, My Utmost for His Highest, said that the word believe actually meant the surrender of one's will. The surrender of one's will, giving your life truly to Jesus Christ. I want to give you a little illustration here before we go on with this word believe. Um, many of you who have been here for a while know that myself, my father, and Ken Long during football season are diehard Minnesota Viking fans. And we are faithful Minnesota Viking fans because we continue to lose. And we've been to four Super Bowls. And we have lost all four of them. We could never be bandwagons. We are faithful fans. Now, I believe that before I die, I hope, the Minnesota Vikings are going to go to the Super Bowl. I believe it. But if you think for one minute that I'm going to sell my stuff, I'm going to move up to Minneapolis, and I'm going to go work for them, I'm not. I don't believe in them that much. I would never do that. But if I were to say, I believe and I know that the Minnesota Vikings are going to go to the Super Bowl and I'm going to surrender myself to that team because I believe in it that much, I'm going to sell my stuff, pack up my car, move to Minneapolis, and I'm going to find some job with that franchise to get with them in order to help them and help lead that team to the Super Bowl, then I would be probably the most true fan in the world. But folks, we have more people who just want to be a fan. They want to just be a fan instead of a follower. They just want to say, I believe. But they don't want to follow. They don't want to give themselves to Jesus. The great theologian, Johnny Cash, who had quite a perplexing life, said this, how well I have learned that there is no fence to sit on between heaven and hell. There is a deep wide gulf, a chasm, and in that chasm is no place for any man. I'm not trying to get you to doubt your salvation this morning, friends. I'm trying to get you to look in your heart and make sure that you are truly following the Jesus of the Bible and not the Jesus that we have made him out to be.
for so many years. Based on the way you are living your life now, would Jesus know you? Would he know you? Would he look at you and say, my dear son, my dear daughter, welcome. I love you. Come see what I have for you. Or would he look at you and say, I do not know you. Like he said to these people here. As we finish up today, go with me to Matthew chapter 16. We see the call of discipleship that Jesus gives to his followers. And this is his call to us. And I want you to look at these points, write them down, and I want you to ask yourself, have I done these things and given my life to Jesus? At this point, Jesus has just asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, I'm going to build my rock on your, my church, on you. You are the rock. And then they go along. And Jesus is foretelling his passion. And if you remember, Peter had a little bit of a loud mouth. He begins to rebuke Jesus. And Jesus tells him, get behind me, Satan. You are focusing on the things of this world and not the things of heaven. And in verse 24, Jesus gives us the very outlines to what it means to be a disciple. And I want you to follow along with me. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? We see four principles here. Number one is the denial of self. The denial of self. When you see that word if, Jesus is given the condition. Jesus is outlining us the condition for being a disciple. And he says, if anyone... Or if anybody wants to be a disciple, wants to be a follower of mine, if anyone wishes, in other words, sets his will on coming after me, that word come after literally means to get right behind the disciple, right behind the master and follow him. If anyone will come after me, he must deny himself. That word deny means to reject, to renounce, to refuse self-interest. It is the rejection of self Centered arrogance and pride to turn something or someone off. It's a refusal to be a companion of oneself and to disown oneself and follow after that master. Self-denial means putting God and his kingdom priorities first. It means denying the old self and putting on the new self and coming into relationship with Christ. You know 2 Corinthians 5, 17 if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. If you go to the book of Romans, chapter 6, Paul says this in verse 4. He says, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 6 says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of, of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is freed from sin. Let me ask you something. Have you really denied yourself and followed Jesus and put on the new person and let Jesus come into your heart and radically change your life? Because that's what it means to deny self. 
What, what are those little sins or what are those little things that, that you're still holding on that you just cannot let go of in your life and give them to Jesus and let Jesus take care of them and take over them? What are those little sins? You know, that, that's kind of like what we want to do as humans, right? We love to keep a little bit here and we love to, to give some here but keep a lot here. It's just like uh, if I had a box of 70 donuts, I'm an RA at Liberty and I have 70 guys on my hall. If I had 70 donuts and I gave only five to all 70 of those guys, they all had to pick from five donuts. They would all scramble for those things, right? College boys, they love to eat. And if I kept all 65 for myself, how would that look? Yeah, <laughs> that is true. I don't have that problem, Audrey, by the way, I promise. But... uh you know, that would look absolutely terrible. But, you know, we do the same thing with God. We like to say that we give a lot to God, but we keep so much for us. What part of yourself do you need to deny? The second thing we learn about is that to be a disciple is we must take up your cross for yourself. You must take up the cross for yourself. Jesus said you must deny yourself and take up the cross. Now, what does it mean to take up the cross? It's the greatest form of self-denial. It literally means marching away to one's own execution. This is not the prettiest thing for Sunday morning, but this is literally what it means. It means to place yourself on the firing line, put your neck in a noose, and put your head on the chopping block. It is literally leading yourself to your own death on the cross and partaking of the same suffering that Jesus did. Back in the Roman era, if you were crucified, you'd have to carry the cross all the way up to the place where you were going to get killed. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. Though we might not be carrying a literal cross, Jesus demands the same thing. To take up the cross and follow him means to put to death those old things, those old things in our lives, and to carry the cross of Christ and partake in the same sufferings that he went through for us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who wrote The Cost of Discipleship, said, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Die to yourself and live to Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, For I am crucified with Christ, and nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Paul said later, he said, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with the passions and desires. Have you crucified your flesh, crucified your sin to the cross, and said, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner? And say, Lord, I'm ready to take up your cross. I'm ready to be serious with you. I'm ready to give myself for you. Luke, in his account, said that it meant to take up your cross daily. It's a daily walk with God. It's a daily taking up of the cross. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 14. This is another thing that Jesus said that was a condition of being a disciple. Luke 14 and verse 26, Jesus says this, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. 
whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me, that again, coming behind the master, cannot be my disciple. Folks, it's giving up your life and taking up the cross and following Jesus. Folks, you know what? I'm going to be honest. It's going to get tougher as time goes on to follow Jesus. We see the way the country's going. We see the way the world's going. It's going to get tough. Remember, though, what John, what uh, Jesus said in the book of John, he said, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they will do it because they do not know the one who sent me. Folks, can you imagine what it was like for the first century Christians? Out of all the apostles, all the disciples, only one didn't die a martyr's death. That was John. But John was beaten and he was in prison and he took a worse persecution than most anybody in this country ever could. Folks, they died for their faith because they believed it. They had so much faith and belief in Christ. They had denied self and taken up that cross. Are you willing to do that in your own life? The third point of this is to follow Christ with yourself. To follow Christ with yourself. Jesus continues to go on. He says, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and you must follow me. That's what Jesus said, to follow me. The first two things, deny and take up, are momentary acts. They happen once and for all. But following Jesus literally means to let him be following me. Let him be following me to keep following Jesus. It's a continuous, progressive action. That's what Jesus called his disciples to do, to keep on following him and to make more disciples and to make an impact on the world and live for Jesus where they were. Paul said it best. He said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself a living and holy sacrifice. That is your reasonable service. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may perform what is that good, perfect, holy will of God. Doing the will of the Father. That is what we talked about before. That, ladies and gentlemen, is following Jesus. Doing the will of the Father. 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter says this about doing the will of the Father. He says, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh... Arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For the will of God. It's about going out, following Jesus, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all Jesus commanded us, living our lives for him. Let me ask you something. Would your people you work with know that you are a Christian? Would they know that you're a disciple? Would the guy at the gas station know that you're a follower of Jesus? Would your friends at school that you are around all the time, whether it be in high school or college, would they know that you're a disciple, that you go to church, that you're a Christian, that you follow Jesus? Would they know that you're a disciple of him? Or would you be no different? There's a story about a missionary who, back many years ago, was in the Middle East, the Middle East, and he had a great ministry out there, but all of a sudden the tribe stormed through his house. The tribe 
pointed a gun to his two children and said, if you do not renounce your faith in Jesus, we'll kill both of them. He said, I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back, no turning back. And they shot his two sons. They took a gun and pointed at his wife's head, and they said, if you do not renounce your faith, we'll kill her too. He looked at his wife and he said, my cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And they killed her. Finally, they pointed the gun at his head. They said, last chance. If you do not renounce Jesus, we'll kill you too. And he looked up to heaven and he said, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. That man died that day, but we're still singing that song, aren't we? Folks, would you continue to follow Jesus if it got tough? Would you continue to claim his name? Would you continue to live for him? The final point as I close is to surrender yourself. We said believe did not just mean on the surface level, I believe as a confession. It was I believe by the surrender of one's will to follow after the cause. Jesus said in verse 25, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? He calls us to lose our lives, our lives of self, our lives of desires. Deny ourselves, take up the cross, follow him, and literally lose our lives to Jesus so that he may save us. You know what? That's what it takes to get saved, to lose your life of self and to give it to Jesus, and he will save you. Jesus gives this rhetorical question. He says, what will it profit a man if he gains the entire world, all the riches, all the desires of the world, but loses his own soul? And you know what the answer is? Absolutely nothing. It profits nothing. It profits nothing. Jesus said that if we were ashamed of his words, he would not confess us before his Father in heaven. Are you confessing him before your friends? Are you professing him with the way you're living your life and acknowledging him? Do you have a relationship with Christ where you know him intimately and he would say the same about you that he knows you? Friends, I've lived both lives. I have. I've lived both lives. And I can tell you right now, it is the greatest life possible and the greatest life imaginable if you would give your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe today you need to give it to him for the first time or maybe today you have wander from him and you know that you don't know Jesus and you know that he doesn't know you listen I'm telling you there is no greater love and no greater gift that you could ever receive than for Jesus to take your life I'm telling you he will love you and give you love and give you a life you could have never imagined before if you would just let him come in and save you and love you, and heal you, and forgive you, and give you a life of unspeakable joy. If you would just give yourself to him. Let us pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you, God, that even though we were so unlovable, that you loved us and you gave your son for us. God, we must do our part, and that is to deny self, take up the cross, 
follow you. Losing our lives to ourselves and getting it saved through Jesus. And God, I pray that your spirit would just be in this room right now, God. Maybe there's just one person that's lost and doesn't know you and they need to come to know you. Or maybe, Father, someone's wandered away and they, they need to come back to you, God, moving their hearts. Maybe today you're just planting the seed in someone's life for them to take a good look at their heart. God, moving them as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The invitation is open. Remember, Jesus paid it all for you. All he asks is that you would give your all to him. And if you'll do that, it'll be the greatest life you could ever imagine. As we stand, we sing together. There's a saying that we all learned a long time ago, and you know what it is. Actions speak louder than words. Isn't that correct? Isn't that what John told us today? I've heard it twice, so I've had time to analyze. James said, faith without works is dead. Jesus said, if you love me, 
feed my sheep. Actions speak louder than words. Thank you for being a part of this service today, and thank you, John, for leading us. I was glad to get a little break and listen uh, for a change, and you were probably glad to listen to somebody else. Uh, it's the first time that uh, I haven't preached in since sometime in December, so I was glad to have a chance to sit where you sit. Uh, today. John will be with us all week, and we're grateful for that. He'll be working with the youth and doing some visiting, the things he enjoys doing, and we enjoy having him do for us. So he will be around this week uh, as well, and I will be here too. So uh, I'm grateful that we have this opportunity and that the church has called him to minister with us this week and then throughout uh, the summer as well. So thank you for being a part of this service today and for springing forward with your clock uh, someone didn't do that, and I called them. And they said, it's just 6.30. I said, oh, no, it's 8.30. They didn't want to believe me. Uh, but anyway, I'm glad that you're here today. One thing that I want to repeat, if it wasn't announced, and I'm, I may have just missed it, we have the Easter egg hunt on Saturday, and prior to that at 9 o'clock, we'll have the pancake breakfast. Everyone's invited to come eat pancakes whether you want to hunt Easter eggs or not. But we do need individually wrapped candy, I was told by the family enrichment team, in order to have to give to the children for the uh, Easter egg hunt. So if you could help us this week by doing that, just bring it by the office, and they will collect it probably uh, later on in the week. But if you could remember to do that and you want to do that, uh, we would be grateful for uh, you uh, providing that candy uh, for the children for the Easter egg hunt. Again, thank you for being a part of this service and this bow for a benediction. Gracious and eternal God, as we depart today, we do so recognizing that it is more than believing. It is believing and putting our belief into action. May we, Father, act as we have been called to act in the world in which we work and live. Help us, Father, to reach out to people who are greatly in need to hear the good news of salvation. And as we leave today, give us the peace and assurance of knowing that we are safe with you now and throughout eternity. In the name of Jesus, amen.